please, and turn to the book of Proverbs as our children will go to their children's church. And we have Dr. and Mrs. Raul Cordero teaching the children today. God bless you, Raul and Wanda. Thank you so much for imparting Christ and His love to the children. Just to let you know that Teresa Isaac did have a surgery, an open heart surgery on Tuesday. To, uh, to, they took a vein out of somewhere, some part of her body or leg or her arm and had to open up some of her arteries in the heart region and the surgery was successful. I believe she said she will be coming home today from, from the hospital after that surgery. It was on Tuesday, so she had a few days to rest. She appreciates all of our prayers. And thank you for coming to church on a holiday weekend, Labor Day. This is really the mark of the end of summer, the mark of the beginning of school, and things kind of turning back to normalcy, I guess, after a, a busy summer. But boy, doesn't the summer just, it just flies, doesn't it? But we're thankful that you're here today, and may God speak to our hearts. I'm going to read one scripture, and really this is going to frame the whole message today. It's in Proverbs chapter 14 and verse number 4, and the message is entitled, Successful Work. And from this scripture, I want us to be able to see four specific principles for successful work. We'll look at a few other Proverbs as we continue our series in the book of Proverbs. Read please with me Proverbs chapter 14, verse 4. Where no oxen are, the crib is clean, but much increase is by the strength of the ox. So I thought on Labor Day that was a great Labor Day text. How about clean up some ox do, you know, for Labor Day. So that's the message here today. Successful work. Where no oxen are, the crib is clean. But much increase is by the strength of the ox. Of course, we've been saying that a proverb is a short but salty little statement. And it's drawn from long experience. A proverb is meant to teach us wisdom, aspects of life, to form our character, that we might become more like Christ, and to encourage an obedient walk with God in the fear of the Lord that we might have wisdom. So let's pray as we begin today. Now, Lord, give us wisdom from this Scripture and give us wisdom in our work. Lord, work is important to us. It is vital for our day-by-day life that we might provide for our needs, that we might provide for our families, that we might have something to give, Lord, we don't ask to be rich. We only ask that You would provide for those things as we seek You first, that we definitely need. But we do ask for Your blessings that make rich, and You add no sorrow to it. I pray that the hands of each one of our church would be made strong to be truly successful, not just in man's sight, but in Your sight. May we be successful in our work, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 
So successful work. That is the message today. And I really want to begin with a question. The question is, what is the purpose of our work? What is the ultimate purpose for why we work? Well, I just want to get out of the house and get away from the kids. (laughs) That's why I go, no, that's not the reason to go to work. Why do we work? Oh, I want to make... I want to make a lot of money and I want to get rich. That's not the ultimate reason why we work. Oh, well, I, I want to be able to get a job so I can get married. That's a good reason to, get to, to work, but that's not the ultimate reason. What's the ultimate purpose of our work? Well, the way I see it in the whole big picture of Scripture is the greatest work done in all of human history was the work of Jesus Christ in the Gospel. When He bore our cross up Calvary's mountain, took the sins of the world, your sins, in His body on that cross, and He died and was buried and rose again from the dead. That's the Gospel. That is the greatest work. And He did that work for the glory of God... And He did it for you and me. He did this great work for the glory of God. So now, I believe the ultimate purpose, that answers the question for me. What is the ultimate purpose of our work? It is to work for Him because He did this great work for me. And it is to do it for the glory of God first of all. And whatever riches come out of that, that is up to Him. True riches is not in money alone. Look at Proverbs chapter 13, verse 7. Some people think that I I just work to make money. No, you don't. You work for the glory of Jesus Christ. And that will change the whole purpose of why you go to work every day. I'm I'm doing this, maybe, maybe you're having a bad day with the boss. And he got you ticked off. You say, I'm going to go slack today because I'm mad at my boss. You see, who are you working for? See, you're not working for your boss. You're working for Jesus Christ. There's never a reason to to get bitter at anyone. There's never a reason to have a slack day. There's never a reason to be an eye pleaser. Oh, the boss man is coming. Better act like you're busy. (laughs) We're working for Jesus. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 7, it says, There is that maketh himself rich, yet hath nothing. There is that maketh himself poor, yet hath great riches. So ultimate riches, it's not in money alone. It's in the Lord. Look at Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 5. Here's why we don't work for money alone. It says it right here in Proverbs chapter 23. If you even look at verse number 4. It says in Proverbs chapter 23 verse 4, it says what? Why do we labor? We labor to be rich. Is that what it says? It says, labor not to be rich. Cease from thine own wisdom. A man in his own wisdom labors for money to get rich. That's man in his own wisdom. He says, labor not to be rich. Cease from thine own wisdom. Why? Because security is not found in money. Even though they call investments your securities, (laughs) they're really insecurities. Because you never know what's going to happen to them. He says, Wilt thou set thine eyes upon that which is not? I'm reading in Proverbs chapter 23, verse 5. For riches certainly make to themselves what? Riches have 
wings. And they can fly away as an eagle toward the heavens. Successful work is ultimately to work for Him and His glory. And as you work, bear about in your body the dying of the Lord Jesus who died for us. And so that means every day will be a great day at work. Because you're doing it as unto Him. So let's just talk about oxen for a moment. Because this, this passage talks about ox. It says where no oxen are, the crib is clean. So let's just think for a moment about ox. What, what exactly are oxen and what, what was their importance? In agricultural society, an ox was the, the king of the farm animal. It was a very valuable beast of burden. In fact, so valuable that ox appear two times in the Ten Commandments. We are not to covet our neighbor's ox. And then on the Sabbath day, not only were you to rest, but in the Deuteronomy repetition of the commandments, I believe he talks about how the ox are also to rest. You're supposed to take care of your ox. So an ox was something valuable that you, if you lived in, in these biblical times, you would have a tendency to covet other people's oxen. But it was essential for a farmer to get a job done. An ox was, would get a job done much faster than any man could. We understand that. So what could an ox do? An ox would thresh the grain. Very important. An ox would be strapped with a threshing sled behind him, and then they would put the grain in that threshing floor, and the threshing process would separate the chaff from the fruit. And someone else would separate it there, and then they would go to a windier area and let the chaff flow away while the grain remains. That's the ultimate fruit of the labor. So, threshing, an ox would be used for this threshing of grain. Obviously, an ox would be used for the plowing of the field, the breaking up of that hard ground so that they could put the seed into the earth. So, oxen were used for the plowing of the field. And how much more quickly an oxen would be able to do that than a man. An oxen was used for this kind of heavy work. Of course, an oxen would pull things, pull wagons, pull other equipment. And I'm sure they developed a lot of different purposes for an ox. An oxen needed a place to rest. And that's this, verb, this verse talks about the crib. Where no oxen are, the crib is clean. The crib is the oxen's feeding place and the resting place. So the point of this proverb is if you had an oxen or an ox eating in the crib, what was going to happen to the crib? It's going to get dirty. Where there's no oxen, the crib is clean. Well, what's the implication? Where there are oxen, the crib is dirty. And so just to own an ox required work not even related to the work of plowing the field and threshing the grain and strapping that ox up in the harness and the other aspects of the work that actually brought the income to the farm. But he's just talking here about having the ox and cleaning the crib. The man who keeps the ox must clean the crib. 
And the result of taking good care of that ox will more than compensate for the work of having the ox. Now you say, but Pastor, I gave up my ox last week. I sold it, so this doesn't apply to me. And I thought, isn't this this amazing to preach a message about oxen and crib cleaning to a bunch of New Yorkers? Because none of us have even thought about buying an ox or coveting our neighbor's ox because they don't even have an ox to covet. So what's the ox? We'll talk about that. What is the ox for you? There's applications, and that's the amazing thing about the Bible. Because we don't live in this agricultural world. We don't even live in the ancient agricultural world. We live in the world of finances and education and medicine or business or whatever your business is. But I know it's not oxen and crib cleaning. But don't turn off the Scripture. This is why we need all the Scripture given by inspiration of God. These verses that deal with this kind of ancient principle... Have a, they, they apply to us. There are principles for successful work in this passage. So let's look at them. The first one is simply the principle of diligent effort. This passage is saying, if you're going to have an ox, you're going to have a lot of work to do. You must exercise diligence. That's the principle here. We all must be diligent. In our labor. If we're going to be successful, what must we be? Diligent in our work. We can't be lazy. God speaks against laziness. Laziness is an irritant to people. A lazy person, you will be an irritant. You will get people sick. Oh, it's a lazy person. It's like smoke in my eyes. There's one proverb that says that a lazy person is like having smoke. It's like, ah, that's really a... A drag when that happens. Diligent effort. So the diligent, and I put this in your notes, watch for opportunities and, do not, and does not let them pass. Does not let them pass. So here's a couple verses about that. It says, He that becometh poor, he becometh poor that dealeth with what? With a slack hand. With a lazy hand. Hands that don't want to work or get dirty. He becometh poor that dealeth with a slack hand, but the hand of the diligent maketh rich. And then it says even here in Proverbs chapter 10, verse 4, and then verse 5 says that in the summer he gathers. He gathers in the summer as a wise son. But he that sleepeth in harvest is a son that causeth shame. Now notice he says gathering in summer and sleeping in harvest. They had different harvests at different times of the year in ancient Israel. And summer was a time of gathering. They would gather certain uh, grapes and figs and dates and other kinds of fruit were gathered during the summer months. So gathering in summer... And not sleeping in the harvest speaks of him, see if I have this, watching for opportunities and not letting them pass your way. Don't sleep when you should be working. It's the time to gather. So gather, be diligent. Diligent work is essential to success. Do you believe that? That's true, right? It's simple. But we need to exercise it. 
This verse speaks, Proverbs 14, verse 4, of the foolishness of bypassing hard work. Because it says, where there's no oxen, the crib is clean. Oh, that, now that sounds good. A clean crib. I appreciate a clean... I want a clean in this crib! What's making the mess around here? The ox? Out with the ox! That's not the solution to a dirty crib. What's the solution? Keep the ox and clean the crib. You don't get rid of the ox. You diligently clean the crib. So this verse is speaking about the absolute foolishness of bypassing hard work. Because anybody who processed the problem of a dirty crib and their solution was, let's get rid of the ox, (laughs) what are they not doing? What's the principle? They're not seeing the purpose of the ox. The ox will actually do a whole lot more work for you if you put it to good use. And the end goal, what is the end goal according to Proverbs 14, verse 4 here? For a farmer, what does he want? He wants much increase. And much increase is through what? The strength of the ox. So, this verse is talking about the foolishness of bypassing the hard work of cleaning the crib because of a loss of vision that you want to have a fruitful harvest. So, In order to maintain diligence, you have to always remember what you want out of this job. In the sense, yeah, I want to glorify God. I want to do it in the name of Jesus Christ. And I want to work for Him. But I do want success. Yeah, in that human level. If I'm trying to sell something, I want to sell. If I'm trying to grow something, I want it to grow fruitful. And I want to be successful. I want to be successful. So we have to have a vision on our job, don't we? When you lose vision at your work, you get lazy. When you lose vision, you lose the energy to work hard. So we have to have the vision of Jesus Christ and always Him before us. But then we want to have a vision of what Proverbs 14 verse 4 says. Much increase. We want that increase. If you're a farmer, you want a lot of fruit. You want the increase. It's, and it's by the strength of the ox. So if the increase is by the strength of the ox, that's going to give me vision to do what? Diligently clean the crib. One proverb says, Slothfulness casteth into a deep sleep. In other words, a lazy person, do you know what they get? Lazier. (laughs) They're already lazy, and now they're sleeping. So laziness is like that. You don't want to fall into the trap of slothfulness because it gives birth to more laziness. We need to be diligent. I notice this verse. This is an important verse. Look at Proverbs chapter 13, verse 11. This is the opposite. You say, well, I, I, I know another way that I can make money and I don't have to work so hard. Well, you can invest. Biblically, that's a biblical way. You can have passive income. You could buy a hotel and then you delegate other people to do a lot of work in that hotel and there's some level of passive income there. But we have to be aware also there are ways people can think they can make money 
in vain ways. And that's what Proverbs 13.11 says. Look at this verse. Can you read it with me even? It says, Wealth gotten by vanity shall be diminished, but he that gathereth by labor shall increase. So the second part of that verse is saying, if you gather through labor, that's diligence, that's what we're talking about in this first point. The principle of successful work is diligent labor, diligent effort. If you gather through labor, through diligent effort, it says you will increase. But if you seek wealth by vanity, easy money, I'm going to extort that person. I'm going to bribe that person. I'm going to deal drugs. I know the drug dealers in my neighborhood, they drive nice cars. Easy money for them. Gambling. Gambling is a big problem in our society, and I've talked about it a number of times. It's just constantly pushed before us, but it will destroy you, and it will destroy your family. That, get it, thinking you're going to make money through gambling, and the worst thing a gambler can do is actually have a little bit of success at it, because then they'll think, oh, you see that? I can make money through that. And then they, they put all that money that they just earned back into it, and then they fall further into debt. How many times that? You know anybody that that's happened to? These casinos are not getting poorer, by the way. That means they're making money from people who are seeking wealth in vain ways. Wealth gotten by vanity. Wealth gotten out of midair, out of the breath of air, out of nothing. Easy money is reckless. It will be diminished. And just a few other verses about diligence, and there's so many actually. Jesus talked about diligent labor. Jesus said in John chapter 9, the last verse there says, what did Jesus say? I must work the works of Him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. So keep your vision on that. That our time of work down here on earth is a short time. And so we want to work while we have the strength. What does the verse above that say? Colossians 3.23, Paul said it. Let's read it together. It says, Whatsoever ye do, do it heartily, as to the Lord, and not unto men. So, whatever you do, do it with all your heart. And the Ecclesiastes passage, Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. Do it with thy might. So all those verses emphasize the diligence of hard work. The second principle I want us to look at is that successful work will have distasteful elements. And I've already kind of mentioned this. And the idea of cleaning a crib is not something you say, Oh, yes, the crib has poo in it. The crib is dirty. I'm going to go clean it up. I can't wait. No, I don't think anybody would actually look at that. It's not necessarily an exciting job. There's a distasteful, distasteful aspect to it. So you may love your job, application, you may love your job, but that doesn't mean you're going to love every aspect of your job. There might be parts of your job, even though you say, you know what, I love my job. But this this one part of it, I don't really enjoy it that much. That's the part that you have to focus on and do it to the Lord. The productive life has distasteful elements. Some things will seem sour, like this boy eating that lemon. Yuck, you know, sour. 
a sour thing in your job, in your life, a distasteful element. But the productive life is a messy life sometimes. And you have to keep the crib clean. So the question really here is, how do you keep the crib clean? Do you get rid of the ox? Is that the way for a clean crib? And obviously, no. You have to get into the mess. You have to roll up your sleeves. And you have to do things that maybe you might not find desirable to do. And do it without murmuring. Do it without complaining. Well, I cleaned it yesterday. It's so-and-so's turn today. Do it for Jesus. Clean that crib as if Jesus were going to rest His head in that crib tonight. Do it for Jesus. And you'll have a new adventure on your job every day. So the principle here of a distasteful element is the productive life is a messy life. So just imagine yourself a farmer in the ancient world and you say to yourself, you know, I will save myself a lot of work. I will save myself money by, by not having an oxen. I will save myself time and money if I don't have an ox. And if you're a farmer. And maybe that farmer says, do you know what I value above everything? Of a clean crib. I value a clean crib, so the way I want to get to that goal is get rid of the ox. But what's the result? You believe the lie. You believe that to be a successful farmer in these ancient times, that you could do more work than the ox. And that just isn't going to be. An ox is an animal of incredible strength that could do the work of multiple men in one t- at one time. So there's the question now. The question is, what's your ox? What is your ox? If you have to do some things that are distasteful, what are distasteful parts of your job? You say, well, I really don't like that that much, but it has to be done. It's important to do. Okay, so that's, in a sense, your crib that you have to clean. And what's your ox? that you have to take care of. Your ox are the resources, the resources that you use that are necessary for success in your job. Now, for this ancient farmer, the absolute resource he needed for success to bring the increase of the field was the ox. That was his resource. Oxen are not our resource today. But we use all kinds of means, all kinds of resources that require time, our time, and our money, and sometimes we're not excited about it, but we have to do it. So maybe you're an Uber driver. What's your resource? The car. So you say, well, I don't like it when my car breaks down, but I like keeping being an Uber driver. Well, what, are you going to carry people around on your back? <laughs> See? It's, no. So you have to keep the car, but you have to keep it maintained. And so forth. Maybe your resource is a computer. Maybe your resource are co-workers. So, whatever your resource. The, the point is, can you have both a clean crib and a great harvest? Can you have both? 
Yes. But not by getting rid of the ox, it's by cleaning the crib. Much increase, abundant harvest, is by the strength of the ox. And remember, the ultimate purpose in this verse anyway, the ultimate goal, isn't a clean crib. It's much increase. (laughs) It's much increase. So do you think a farmer today could say, owning a wheat combine, let's say he had a wheat, he's a wheat farmer. Owning a wheat combine is too much work. They're expensive, they break down. So I'm going to get rid of my oxen. No, you'd be a fool because much increases by the strength of the combine. Or what about a hospital? A hospital says, above all, we have to have a clean environment. Who's making the mess around here? Oh, patients. Get rid of the patients. What's a hospital without patients? What's the purpose of the hospital? Is it clean floors? Or is it healing the sick? You don't have to sacrifice healing the sick for clean floors. You have to keep the floors clean and keep the patients. What about children's church and Sunday school? Don't we want children in our church? Pray for children at Heritage Baptist Church. Pray for the kids who will come and spill their drink on the floor and their crumbs all over the place and spill glue on the desk and write with their crayons maybe places where they shouldn't write. Kids will make a mess. But the purpose for us is to tell them of Jesus. And we want to clean up after them. And that takes work. But that is work for the Lord. Let's love our children at our church. Now a lot of people say, you know, I would like church, but it's all those oxen in that church. They're really dirty people. (laughs) I would would go to church if it weren't for people. (laughs) Huh? No. People are the ones for whom Christ died. And that person that might irritate us a little bit, Jesus loves that person just as much as He loves you. And don't ever think otherwise, or else that would be pride on our part. Don't ever say, I'll go to that church, but so-and-so has to leave the church first. No. You know what has to happen? You need to get right with so-and-so. Keep so-and-so and clean the crib. You need to clean up that relationship with that person that you think should leave the church. Keep that person. Clean up the relationship. It might not be something you want to do. It might be distasteful. Nobody likes having to deal with these kinds of conflicts. But coming to church, dealing with people, pulling together toward a great purpose of getting the Gospel out, there's going to be conflict. There will be conflict. There ha- there, there's going to have to be sometimes a little give and take from all of us. And we all don't get our way. I don't get my way all the time either. Don't think, oh, you're the pastor. No, that's not true. We all have to love and care and pray and be patient and ask forgiveness if we mess up. But every member of this church is so important. The third thing is the dangerous risks involved. So successful work. I'm talking about successful work. It requires diligent effort. There will be distasteful elements. And number three, there's going to be dangerous risks. So go to Exodus chapter 21. If you go back there, you'll see that there were some serious 
serious risks involved in owning an ox. Do you know that owning an ox could cost you your life in ancient times? That's a serious risk. If I own an ox, I might end up dead. Now, obviously the ox could have a bad day and gore somebody. <laughs> Isn't it? What is this? Is this the ox run? No, it's the bull run. Yeah, it's like an ox, a bull. The bull runs in, in Spain. I don't know who would ever do anything like that. Oh, but wait. I think we have a brother here who, who did, did, you did the bull run, right? You survived. Isn't that exciting? That would, was your adrenaline pumping when you did that bull run? Man, isn't that something? I saw actually a video the other day. There was like a rodeo or something, and the ox got loose in the rodeo, and it, it started to walk up into the crowd where the people were. And you know what one of those farmers did? One of those rodeo guys? He, he, lassoed, he got his lasso out and he lassoed that, that ox and they pulled it back into the, into the, panel, uh, the kennel. I thought that was pretty amazing. But in Exodus chapter 21, here's the danger of owning an ox in verses 28 and 29. And it says, If an ox gore a man or a woman that they die, then the ox shall surely be stoned. So that's the risk. You don't want your ox to hurt anybody. So you have to make sure that the ox is kind of, con yeah, controlled. It says, then it says, and the, but the, his flesh shall not be eaten, but the owner of the ox shall be quit. He'll be innocent. He won't be responsible for himself personally. But, he says, verse 29, if the ox were wont, or if it was a common practice, to push with his horns in time, of, uh, in time past, and it hath been testified to the owner, so in other words, the owner knew that the ox was potentially dangerous, and he hath not kept him in, but that he hath killed a man or woman, the ox shall be stoned, and his owner also shall be put to death. There it is. So that's it. That's it for me. I'm not going to ever own an ox. Much increases by the strength of the ox. The point is, successful work, there's always going to be risks. If you're going to do life, you cannot do life without risk. And bless their hearts, not judging anyone, but some people still don't want to go, come to church or maybe they feel that they can't come to church today because there's a risk and there is a risk. But you came. And I believe at this point, for me, as I pray about it, it's definitely the right risk to take to be in the house of God and to be worshiping face to face with God's people. There's always risks. In life. <clears throat> so owning an ox brought potential problems. And one who owned that ox had a great responsibility in caring. So, again, if, if your business requires tractors, heavy, heavy farm equipment, there's a lot of potential danger with that equipment. And you have to understand those risks and you have to mitigate so that 
people are kept safe while they use that heavy equipment. If you're a bus driver, there's heavy risks in being a bus driver. Think of all the precious cargo you're carrying and you have to be safe. But just because there's risk, you might get into an accident as a bus driver. That doesn't mean you shouldn't be a bus driver. So there's always going to be risks in life. In church, there's going to be risks for you to come to church. You could get your feelings hurt. Somebody's going to say something you don't like. Or the children, even having children's ministry. There's a risk in having children's ministry. That doesn't mean we don't have children's ministry. When I say a risk in children's ministry, children are brought to church and sometimes they're hurt. And I hate to even go down this road to say what I'm about to say, but I'll say it. Sometimes children are brought into a church and they're abused. And the Southern Baptist Convention recently released a report where there was all different sorts of abuse within the Southern Baptist Convention. And the final analysis was is that many times the convention sided with the ones in leadership and authority and not with the victims of that abuse. That's heinous. That's horrible. How I hate to even consider that such a thing could happen at our church, but you know what? I don't know what's going over there right now. I'm not there. I'm here. But I trust that our teachers understand the responsibility of loving those children in a Christ-like way and caring for them. And thank God for our teachers. And there's accountability there. And just to let all of our church family knows, we want to keep a clean crib, if you will, when it comes to children's ministry. So we screen all of our children's workers in a large database to make sure that there's no records that they have. And we do that for all of, all of our workers. And we have a zero-tolerance policy toward any abuse of any children. And thank God in the 25 years I've been here, I will just let you know we've never even had one complaint or issue to this point. But let us continue to pray. And let us understand in this day where there is so much abuse... It could come into our doors as well. Pray that God will protect us. We try to keep a clean crib in our church. In fact, we have people who come early every Sunday to clean every table in our lunchroom, don't we, Bailey? And Angelica and a few others. And we do need people to come early to clean up because... Every week we go in there and the tables are quite dirty because they use it for their lunchroom during the week. And so we clean every table. So, so it will be clean for our children. But in life, there's all kinds of risks. When you get married, there's all kinds of... You might get divorced. Divorce is not the answer to marriage problems. Clean the crib. Clean the relationship. Fix the problems. Keep the marriage. When you have children, there's going to be all kinds of problems, conflicts, and challenges. Don't throw your children out the door. Clean the crib. Fix the problems. Pray through it. Don't give up. Work together. Keep the children. If you use something, it's going to get dirty. But that doesn't mean you don't use it. You use it and then you clean it. The resources. The oxen speak of the resources. The resources you need... Okay, think about this. Okay, if I need the ox to bring in an increase of the harvest, the ox is the resources. So think for just a sec. 
Do you want to be spiritually fruitful in your life? Your personal spiritual life? Yes? Nobody said yes. Wow. Okay. Let me ask. Okay. I know you. You're, you're listening so well. That's what it is. You're like, oh, you're, you're listening. Good. So we want to be spiritually fruitful, don't we? Say, amen. Amen. We want to be spiritual. We want to show love at that moment where we just want to get angry at somebody. I mean, that, that's... <laughs> We want to love our wife. Hey, I was waiting for you to say yes on that one, Joe. Okay. We want wives who are submissive to their husband. So just calm down, Joe. Calm down. Calm down. Okay. So what are our resources to keep our cribs clean? The Word of God. This is like the strength of an ox. The Word of God. Prayer, the local church, and fellowship in the local church. These are the resources that will, the Word of God will, will plow our hearts. And it says in Scripture, break up your fallow ground. Well, how do we break up that fallow ground? Let the Word of God work in you. Do you know when you begin your spiritual life, it's almost like you begin a journey where you're, you're going to see a lot of dirt in your life. You're going to see a lot of dirt in the crib when you begin your spiritual journey. And you're going to battle the inward corruption and the desires of your heart. You're going to battle your motives, your deceitful motives. Sometimes your motives are not so pure. And you're going to find a dirty crib when you look into your soul. But we need to use the resources God has given to us of the Word of God and prayer. And let Jesus Christ fill your heart, clean up your heart, clean your soul. The way to be clean spiritually isn't to get rid of your faith. It's to keep your faith and use the resources to be clean for the Lord. The last thing is successful work results in divine blessings. In divine blessings. So successful work requires diligent effort. I have D's. I'm trying to make it a little more memorable if it can help you. Diligence. It will have distasteful elements. There will be danger and some risks involved. But then successful work requires or results in divine blessing. Because he says here, where there are no oxen are, the crib is clean. But he made a decision to have oxen and to clean the crib. And much increase is by the strength of the ox. So that's the principle there, much increase. That's the divine blessing. So when you gain wealth, and, and here's the blessing. And I have it written there. It's an important principle. When you gain wealth through hard work, how will you view that wealth? You will likely value it highly. You will value it. When, when you work hard for something and you get it, you appreciate it more, don't you? That's just the way, that's our human nature. We will often appreciate a thing in proportion to the difficulty we had in getting it. And that's why socialism and communism is bad, by the way. Because they just want to give you something and they, they want, the, the, those in authority want to be empowered by giving you and then indebted, then we feel indebted to them. That's not, that's not good government practice. 
We want to be able to work hard for something. Isn't it a blessing to work hard for something and getting it? Don't you appreciate it? I mean, for myself, and it could be just a simple job. Like, I like to do yard work. You know I like to do yard work? I like to do yard work. I like to pick weeds. I didn't used to when I was a kid, but as I've gotten older, I've gotten my roots. I've, I've gotten my roots with Adam, the first gardener. I'm talking about Adam, you know, the husband of Eve. And he lived in a garden. And so I got a little garden out there in Queens. And I get down in the garden and I plant flowers. And I like to plant flowers. You know why? I like to see those flowers grow through the summer. And you should see how big some of those little, the, the ones that I put in May, and some of them have grown so nicely now. And I like to see that. I'd like to, to cut my grass, and every once in a while I'll get the trimmer, and I'll, I'll trim the edges, and I like to see the, the edge of the trim. Because I'd like to do a job where you can actually see the result of your job. Don't you like that? And you feel good about it. You appreciate it. So if you came along to my garden and started ripping out my flowers, I would say, no, stop, don't do that. Don't rip my flowers out. Unless you want to put them in a vase or something. Okay, but you can ask. But the point is, you appreciate what you had to work hard to get. Much increase is by the strength of the ox. So, as I close, I want to talk about this as I close. It's very interesting as well. That in, in Bible times, in pagan cultures, do you know what one of the animals they worshipped? The ox. Remember Israel, when they came out of the land of, of Egypt, what did they do? They made a golden calf, or it was an ox. Why? Because an ox was a symbol of great strength. So we don't worship an ox. We worship God and use the ox. But then I found this in the Scripture. Very interesting. Go to Ezekiel chapter 1. Go to Ezekiel. We're just going to finish up with the ox in Ezekiel chapter 1. And in Ezekiel chapter 1, Ezekiel's having this incredible vision. It's quite an amazing vision and I, I cannot ever get my wrap my head around it, but basically this vision is a supernatural vision of a chariot. It's a supernatural chariot. It's like a heavenly chariot and it's being pulled, the chariot upon which God Himself rides on the wings of the wind is being pulled by these cherubim. And these cherubim have four different faces. And in Ezekiel chapter 1 and verse number 10, it says, as the likeness of their faces, they four had the face of a man and the face of a lion on the right side. And they had the face of an ox also on the left side. And they four also had the face of an eagle. Now, th that's so fascinating to me. I, I could understand why these cherubim would have the face of a man, because man was the pinnacle of God's creation. I can understand perhaps why the, uh, the, the cherubim would have the face of an eagle because we ride on eagles' wings and mount up with wings as, as eagles. In a sense, God leads us and he, he helps us fly over our problems on, on eagles' wings. I can understand why one would be the face of a lion because Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. And, and in a sense, the lion is the king of the forest and man is the king of the earth. 
and the eagle is the king of the air, but an ox. An ox is the king of all the farm animals. It's not a pretty animal, but it's an animal of service and strength. Service. So, what's your ox? Or, let me put it this way. Will you be an ox? (laughs) Well, 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 you know what? I'm an ox, actually. I'm an ox in the New Testament. Because it talks about a pastor. You're supposed to care for the pastor, which you do. Thankful for it. And it says you're not supposed to muzzle the ox that that threshes the grain. And Paul uses that principle that the ox should be able to eat when they're threshing. The laborer is worthy of his hire. In other words, take care of your pastor because he's just a dumb ox. Okay, (laughs) I admit it. (laughs) So I'm an ox. Will you be an ox? We want to keep the ox. Because we do great work for God. Because Jesus Christ is the truly strong one. And I, I want to be so careful. And, and I thought about, you know, the, these four faces of these cherubim. Do you know, some say that they relate to the four Gospels, that Matthew is the Gospel of the Lion, the Lion of the tribe of Judah. Luke, Luke is the Gospel of a man, the face of a man. John is the, the Gospel of the Eagle. And Mark would be the gospel of the ox. I, I'm not sure if that's what Ezekiel meant, but it's just out there. It's a possibility. Uh, do, do these four faces, it says they represent, they were the, this was the likeness of these cherubim. Did these cherubim bear forth the, the, something of God's character and image? Perhaps. I mean, the whole thing, the whole chapter here of Ezekiel is about the glory of God. But I just thought of Jesus as I close. And I thought of Jesus Christ, the ultimate one, diligent in all His work. He said, I must work. Jesus Christ, going through distasteful elements, having been betrayed by Judas and denied by Peter. That's not what He enjoyed doing, or going through and experiencing. And all that Jesus went through when He went to the cross to die for us. All the distasteful elements. But He did it. He didn't say, it's not worth it. I'm not going to do it. He could have called 10,000 angels, right? But He didn't. There were dangerous risks Jesus endured and it was all to bring divine blessing. It was all for our souls. It was to win souls and bring glory to God. It was so that the heathen would be His inheritance. It says in Psalm 2, the heathen will be His inheritance. The blessing of, of souls for, for, from all nation of every tribe of every tongue divine blessing Jesus Christ and he is the ultimate strong one if you will who did the work of bearing our sins on the cross he's the perfect man he's swift as an eagle he's bold as a lion but he's stronger than any ox Jesus Christ to bear our sins. And He is the great worker who did the greatest work for us, for the glory of God. Now we get to work for Him, for the glory of God. Let's stand together as we pray.
Thank You, Lord, that You've given us hands. You've given us feet. Ears to hear and eyes to see and a mouth to speak. You've given us all kinds of ligaments and bones and organs. We're a work machine, Lord God. This body was made to work. And we thank You that work is not bad. Work is not a four-letter word. Work, work, we're going to work in heaven. Thank You, Lord. We're going to serve You for all eternity. Lord, we want to work successfully here. We want to work in a way that our work is not a frustration here. We want to work for Your glory here, Lord. And if that's Your desire, to work for the glory of the name of Jesus Christ, and to do it as unto Him. And you say, yes, Pastor Matt, by His strength and help, I want to work this diligently through those distasteful elements, taking even some dangerous risks, but bringing forth His divine blessing through my work. That's how I want to work for God, for Jesus, for His sake. Can I see your hand? Just put it up to the Lord. And take your stand for the Lord today. That will work till Jesus comes. You say, I want to be a successful laborer for my Savior, Jesus Christ. And then pray. Pray about that distasteful element on your job right now. Pray about that coworker that gives you a problem. Pray for your boss. Pray for their souls. Pray for the people you work around. Maybe you're the only Christian they're ever going to see through their week or in their normal course of life. Ask God to give you those opportunities to share the love of Christ with them. You can put your hands down. Yes, Lord. Thank you for our church. Thank You for great workers for You. God, we pray that You would keep our church safe. God, we pray that You would bless our church with precious children who would come and and learn of You and live for You and grow into mighty men and women of God for You and keep them safe in that process, Lord. Oh, God, please. Thank You for the beautiful children we have. Thank You for the moms and dads who entrust their children to our workers. Bless our workers, Lord. Sister Susan, Hillary, Micah, Christy, Eunice, even Raul and Wanda and others who cycle in and out of the children's church. Oh, God, bless. Help us, Lord, that we could be successful in Your sight. And as we prepare our hearts for the Lord's Supper, We've tried to focus on Christ and His work in the Gospel for us. The greatest work that will ever be done on earth is the work of Jesus. And then when He was on the cross, one of His last words He spoke was, It is finished. And He finished His work because we need a finished Savior, a finished work to save us from our sins. And dear friends, if you're here today and you say, Pastor Matt, I'm not born again, but I realize my need to be born again. Because if I were to die today, I'm not sure I would go to heaven. But I want to know how I could go to heaven through Jesus Christ. Is there anyone here who would say, Pastor Matt, just pray for me please. I'm not sure I'm saved. But I need salvation in Christ today. So Lord, bless us now. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Please take your Bibles. You can remain standing for just a moment. You were sitting.